Uh, this morning, we are uh, very excited uh, to have one of our youth who is here to help lead us in worship. I'm going to invite Hannah Milliman to come and read our scripture lesson for us this morning. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from John 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Peter, John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go to wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God to the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be God. to God. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. I'm always grateful uh, for the, the many ways that our, our youth and our young people uh, help lead us in worship and help lead us in being the church and remind me that our young people yeah. are not the future of the church. Cassie, they, they are, are the church They are the church. in so many ways, and I'm so grateful uh, for Hannah and all our other young people who have been uh, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus in this season. <clears throat> you know, so Cassie, this is the fourth week and yeah. uh, the concluding week in our, in our post-Easter sermon series that we've called Resurrection Stories, where we've been looking at uh, these stories of Jesus when he appears to the disciples mm -hmm. after Easter morning. And uh, this one this morning that Hannah's read for us, is, it's, it's not exactly a, a fourth story. It's either part two of the story that we started last week. So, you know, last week we read about Jesus appearing to the disciples on the beach and, and Peter's just like down in the dumps and feeling kind of adrift. And so he goes off fishing and, and his friends go with him, but they don't catch anything. And, and Jesus calls them from the beachfront and, and they pull in this big net of fish by casting on the other side. And and by the time they get to shore, they recognize it's Jesus. He's, he's making breakfast for them with some bread and some fish around this charcoal fire. And they this moment of realization where they, they recognize Jesus. And, and after that story, I imagine after breakfast, Jesus invites Peter aside for this really intimate and yet, gosh, just piercing conversation. Right. What intrigues me is the question that he asks. See, um, we recognize that there's a pattern of three here, and it wasn't just one chapter, maybe two, prior to this that we read how, how Peter is the one who denies Jesus three times. So we get the pattern, right? But rather than go to Peter and say, hey, Peter, let's have a conversation about what happened back there when I was on trial, right? There's no rehashing. Instead, Jesus gets to the essential question here. He doesn't ask him to live in what was or might have been. 
but to answer the question of what is. He says simply, do you love me? Yeah, which is such a striking question, and, and not only the question, but, but how personally it's addressed to him. Yeah. Now, do you recognize what, what Jesus calls him? He, he doesn't call him Peter, which right. is his name for most of the gospel, but rather, what does he call him? He calls him by his given name, Simon, son of John. Every time he asks the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Which is this echo, really, of, of what happens in the very first chapter of John's gospel when, when Peter meets Jesus for the first time. And he calls him by name, Simon, son of John. You shall no longer be called Simon, but Cephas, but Peter, the rock. And, and it's almost this... Uh, flashback, this, this recasting, this um, reset or second chance or third chance, right, right. really, for, for Peter. A, a resurrection, if you will, happening in real time as Jesus invites him to discipleship again and anew. Yeah, and, and what is comforting to me is, is Peter's response. Because you see, I know that when somebody uh, asks me a pointed question, such as an intense one, do you love me? And especially if they've called me by my formal name, Cassandra, <laughs> right? Then, then, I, then my response would be filled with a, a sense of almost doubt mm -hmm. or, in, or at least intimidation. A, did I get this right? Especially since he has to ask three times. And so each time Peter responds with, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's almost as if he is saying, it's almost as if the evangelist is letting us know that no matter how much doubt we have in our own lives, in our own lives, about our own faith, about our commitment to Jesus, about our commitment to anything, it is God who can read the depths of our soul and our heart. And so Peter leans into that. Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know. And yet we know that by the third time Jesus asks him this, the evangelist says he was hurt. There is so much pain in this. And so P Jesus doesn't leave Peter in the pain. Notice what Jesus says. He gives him a task. He gives him a task to feed the lambs, tend the sheep, feed the sheep. It's almost as if Jesus is tying together love of God and love of others. Jesus has already put this on the scene. When the, fair, when the scribe came to him and asked, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He quotes not one, but two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. It is as if he's tying these two together so that they are explicitly interwoven together. That our love for God is played out in the way we love others. And so Jesus doesn't leave Peter in the pain. He gives him a task, and that is to go and love the other. I think in this call to action, right, in this call to love, to, to put his love into practice, Jesus is, is really inviting him into a deepening and a maturity mm -hmm. of this love, right? He says, Peter, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And, and Peter says, yes. And he says, but go even deeper. 
right? Really, in this little aside that Jesus has at the end uh, with Peter, he says, you know, Peter, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you know, you used to fasten your own belt around you. You get up in the morning, you put on whatever you wanted to, look however you wanted to, and you'd go wherever you wanted to. You know, when, when we're younger, life's about us. You know, I don't know, I, I shared this a few weeks ago. I'm still pretty convinced I'm the center of my own world. <laughs> the sun revolves around me, maybe the universe too. So much of my life revolves around me. I, I get up, I, I do what I want, I go where I want. But Jesus says, really, when, you're, when you grow old, or, or rather, as you mature, as your love deepens, you know, it's going to be someone else that helps you put a belt around your waist and, and someone else that takes you where you might rather not go. Mm-hmm. Which is this maturity and love as we grow in our, in our depth of our love for God and our love for neighbor, really... We become decentered out of our own life. Life is no longer primarily about us. But rather, our life becomes oriented around love for our neighbor. Yeah, I know where you're going with this, Ricky. Hmm. You're going to this mother thing because yeah. today is Mother's Day yeah. and, and no greater love than a mother yeah. like the mother of Mary. Yeah. I cannot even imagine a love so deep, so all-consuming, that she was able to watch her son suffer, recognizing that the greater picture is at play, even more so than her own suffering or her own son's suffering. She gets it. This motherhood, whether it is biological, whether it's adopted or it's fostered or it's claimed, it reorients our lives. I, I know that we talked this last week about you have a friend who is a new parent and how all of a sudden everything that we, that we think might be consuming of us as a new parent comes true. In fact, <laughs> we're giving up sleep at night. We're feeding the baby. The baby's cries take over our own needs for our own time. And yet there is something about that that, is, um, that, that comes naturally. It is it, that deepening love for that individual person comes so natural that it surprises us, usually, in parenthood. And so I am reminded of, of this as I read the Facebook mother post yeah, this last week. Those. They were awesome, yeah. weren't they? It was an opportunity for us to look into the lives of how mothers have impacted our staff and even some of our congregation members we learned so much from them. We, we learned that giving away life's simple moments is never wasted, especially when it comes to being about our own children. And, and that was Aaliyah. Aaliyah yeah. shared that with yeah. us. And even Megan kind of, she resonated with that. She said, you know, it was really important for her to know that her mom would always take out time and be uh, especially attentive and patient and... and uh, uh, kind to her. And even when it comes to patience, I'm reminded of what you wrote about your mom yeah. and how often <laughs> she was patient with you learning how to drive. And She still has a front right tire on her car these days. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and we are so thankful that she helped to shape you and make you the young man that you have become and the way you are able to lead us. And for that, we give her great thanks. We, we, we see this love deepening in the ways that it plays out in relationships that are not always easy. Mm. Yeah. Not everyone had an idyllic relationship with their mother as they posted this week. 
We learned that some struggle in these relationships and what we learn in a relationship that may not be uh, easy but is more strained is that often we come to understand that we need each other in those relationships, that how God shapes us and forms us in our own gifts, whether they come in conflict with the gifts of another, we still need each other to complete that love that God has given us in that relationship. And sometimes this deepening, maturing relationship is found in either biological, adopted, or claimed relationships. Sometimes Ashley shared with us how uh, a mother figure in her life was not biological, but a friend, a friend. But I thought it was extra poignant when Anne pointed out, Anne Pena mm -hmm. pointed out, that it was her mother that helped her uh, go across the, the disappointments in the world, yeah. to overcome them, to reset them, to begin to see a future in the disappointments in our lives. And that is a great maturity of motherhood. I love, and this, this to me is, is the beauty of Mother's Day and why we celebrate in the church, mm -hmm. in the Christian community, why we lift up and celebrate our mothers and women who have been mothers for us in our lives. It's because what we learn in the maternal spirit that we are all called to, regardless of, of whether we have biological children or not, or, or who we are, or our relationships with our own mothers, is that, that maternity, the real depth of maturity and love, is a love that puts others at the center of our lives. Jesus, in inviting us to, to tend the sheep and feed the flock, is, is reorienting who is at the center. It, it literally changes the questions that we ask, right? As, as my friends that have become uh, uh, new mothers and fathers this year have shared with me, you know, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you, you ask is no longer, what, what do I want for breakfast? Mm -hmm. What would be good to fix for myself? The first thing you ask is, what's good for my children? What, what will my children eat? Maybe we need another box of Eggo waffles in the freezer, even though I'm sick and tired of Eggo waffles. Or, or you know, what, what's going to keep them filled up for the day? Or what's going to make sure that they have the nutrients they need? It, it literally changes the questions we ask. So that the depth of love that we learn from our mothers is a love that um, displaces us from the sinner. And, and we are no longer first priority, but love of neighbor. Through love of neighbor, love of God is our first priority. And so rather than looking out for number one, for myself, rather than turning inward like the disciples in that first story locked away in the upper room in fear in the midst of crisis, rather than turning inward, we turn outward and we seek the common good. And we ask not, have I stashed away enough money in my own bank account, but we ask rather, gosh, do my neighbors have food on the table? Which I've seen time and time again over these past several weeks in the season of the pandemic, right? The depth of maturity and love that Jesus is calling us to. And, and I believe that we learned from our mothers and our mother figures in our lives is, is one that just radically reorients our lives and has us asking different questions. And the question that I have been left with time and again is, is what does it mean and look like to love our neighbor in this season, to, to tend the flock, to feed the sheep, to love in the depth of maturity like God as a mother loves us? Right, right. When Jesus gave Peter the task to do, I recognize that what he is doing is he's resurrecting this mm -hmm. love out of Peter's very failure. No. This impetuous, very human man who continued to fail throughout all of the gospel in that moment was resurrected out of that failure 
into a deeper sense of love. And even though Peter put on a belt at that moment that would take him to places that I promise you he may not have wanted to go, he did so out of this deepening sense of love. And on that love, Jesus built, he said, on the rock, I'm yeah. going to build my church. Jesus builds this church, this church that is you and me and all of us that come together in our failures, in our very human brokenness failures, to be the church, to be born and resurrected into a life of love. And in those failures, Jesus looks at us and asks that essential question of us, do you love me? Cassie, do you love me? Ricky, do you love Jesus? And in the answer of yes, God resurrects us into this new being. Peter is no longer Simon, son of John. Peter is now the rock. This new creation, this new being, who is able to respond in that deepening, maturing love, to tend God's sheep, to take care of God's people. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.